Everyone, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank all the listeners, the viewers, and of course the patrons out there. The team here at Vector Sigma hopes that we can bring a little levity and a distraction from the weight of the real world. Time is always precious, but that has become even more obvious now. We want to say that we really do appreciate everyone out there that's spending their time with us. Welcome back, everyone, to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see over there that we have a special guest. It's someone you may have heard before. It's your favorite brand manager and mine. It's Drew. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back on the show. Welcome back, Drew. It's, it's good to have you because we did have... One of the other team members come and hang out with us for a little bit, but you've definitely been a recurring guest, and it's great to have you back here. Yeah, I heard that you had Matt on the show. It sounded like it yep. was a, a great show. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's cool to get all the the different perspectives. We're hoping to get Matt back on, or whoever else from the Wizards team is willing to, you know, listen to my voice for a while because I know how that gets. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I love hearing your voice because it means I'm on the show and I get to talk to you guys and the fans and you ask the best questions and your fans ask the best questions. So it's it's been a little while. Yeah, <laughs> there's and this is going to kind of permeate throughout the show, but there's been some some things that have been going on outside the realm of Transformers that has impacted Transformers. So we do have a whole bunch of stuff lined up for you on that front as well as other ones. But uh let me hand it to Scott first for the first set of questions and kind of kick it all off. Sure. So, so thanks hey. for uh, coming on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just in general, how has you and your team uh, adapted to working from home and, and how's it affected things and how is it in general for you guys? You know, it's anything time that you're, you're adapting to something new, there's a transition period. And for me, that for just personally, for me, that was, that was like a week and a half to two weeks. I'm a very in-person communicator. Mm -hmm. And so I had to realign my thinking and how I communicate about how I communicated to people. And uh, I could no longer just uh, use the sneaker net and walk over to someone else's desk and bug <laughs> them. Um, I, I can't toss things at people. Uh, right. Are there a lot of a lot of Nerf guns in the office? <laughs> so there are a ton of Nerf guns in the office. <laughs> um, I, I have one of the battery powered. So oh, you know, power-assisted Nerf guns stashed in a convenient position underneath my work desk. Awesome. Um, in case, in case the production team dropped by, because <laughs> the production team in in particular, and these are the people who um, actually work on the physical production of cards with our partner, our vendor partners in our factories, um, and they are our QA team. These these are the people who take all of the cool designs and output actual cards for you guys to play they are nerf fanatics oh, yeah. nice. oh i was gonna ask is there like a feud between you guys and them or like no no there isn't there isn't a feud between us and them but there was a feud between the imaging department and them and nerf put out this sort of rotary cannon it's like a gatling gun style nerf uh -huh. and I, I, there's a persistent rumor that someone put like a motion tracking sensor you know rigged into it so it could like defend their <laughs> that is fantastic 
and and that's not even the like before my time at Wizard. Um, uh, I have heard stories about entire company Nerf Wars, and I think if you search Mark Rosewater, who's the head designer for Magic, if you search his um, his podcast for Nerf, he <laughs> talks about one day with like I don't know, this had to be 15 years ago or so. When the entire company just, I don't know whether it was spontaneously became red and blue teams and just, you know, nerfed <laughs> each other or whether it was an organized event or outing. But yeah, it was, that's, it was something else. That's spectacular. I'm going to have to make a note to, to go look that up now. Uh, <laughs> and, and now I miss my nerf guns. <laughs> <laughs> now we gave you something else to, to miss, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it sounds like outside of, uh, I guess, pummeling co-workers with, with nerf darts uh you're mo- everybody's mostly adapting is it is it just more of the same kind of thing and just a lot of zoom meetings or the equivalent to that so the company has been both wizards and hasbro has been really good at in, in uh helping everybody adapt and adapt in the ways that each of us personally need great so um you know from being able to take equipment from your desk home, like extra monitors and stuff, um, to really you know, personalize your workspace at home so that it, it, it's as comfortable for you as it was at work, if not more comfortable in some cases. Um, to uh, systematically helping everybody level up to new methods of communication. So awesome. like just just one tip for everybody out there who is on Zoom meetings. You know, on on meeting video meetings, whether it's Zoom or Teams or Google Hangouts or Skype, you know, everybody, every company is using something different. But one thing that we have instituted is um, in larger group meetings, and I would say that's above seven or eight people, one person acts as a moderator, and we use a hand raising. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And the hand, yeah, it, it 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 everybody gets to talk now, and people get less frustrated about talking over one another. Right, and that's right because you're missing that. You're missing all of the nonverbal cues that humans use to indicate, "Hey, I, I need to talk." And this, this, this kind of simple way, and it feel it's going to feel a little bit kindergarten at first. Mm. I, I should be really honest with you. You have to raise your hand, uh, <laughs> but but it works, and it makes everybody's lives smoother, and you get to communicate uh, in in these large settings in a much more effective way. So yes, the, the company has been really good about it, and we have adapted. Um, uh, how are you guys handling it? Uh, for me, about as well as can be expected. I'm I am from home, but I also work IT, so it's it's almost second nature kind of thing. I'm often working remote in some sense, depending on where the office I'm interacting with is. But uh, I know Scott, you're also pulling uh, offsite work, right? Yeah, I'm home, but I'm not real. I'm not a huge fan of it. Like I, I just my days are just weird and like everything feels the same and it's hard to get motivated at certain days things like that i think we've all had many years of getting used to the way yeah. things were rather than what it is now yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah it's definitely it, a shift it it is a shift for those of us who haven't worked home from home in a while i was i was a freelance game designer a long time ago and so oh. it's you know it's very different from from back then because of the the collaboration that makes wizards work really well is very different from solo freelancing Right, um, and I think there was this. Someone pointed me at an article because in that first week, and it said, "When it said when you're at home working from home, you will inevitably feel guilt that you're not working enough." Mm-hmm. And it said, "Consider seriously, like 
go through your, the, your, your memories of the amount of work that you get done at the office each day and compare that to the amount of, of work that you do at home. And if, if you're roughly equal, free yourself of that guilt because you are working effectively. You're working at least as effectively at, at the office if you're doing, doing that sense. much amount of work. That, and it means that like at 7 p.m. I don't need to be typing out Transformers you know, stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to take a break every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Scott, anything to follow up there? Because I had uh, some other elephant in the room scenarios to pitch. I, I just want to know, like, from if you could talk, like, outside the walls of Wizards, like, in just the gaming industry in general, how, how it's been. Or, like, because I, for example, like, I still see, I know we, and we're going to get into this, like, the conventions and stuff, but, like, um, like, I still see a lot of stuff on Kickstarter. I still see, like, a lot of other companies doing stuff. I was just wondering how, like, from an industry perspective, you, you could go outside those walls at all. So the need for gaming, the desire to game hasn't gone away, clearly. And in fact, in some ways, it's it's even more. Okay. Uh, yeah. More relevant now. Uh, as, as family groups and friend groups are constrained to the home environment, tabletop gaming has taken on an even bigger part of people's lives uh, in, in a lot of cases because it's replacing the entertainment that they would have done outside the home. How how players and consumers get that that product, I think, is the is the thing that's that's changing the most right now. And I see you know, your your local game store is in a very weird and probably stressed time right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I see local game stores adapting in different ways, and a lot of them are doing okay, and some of them are struggling. Um, and just remember, support your local game store. A lot of I, I see most game stores have adopted a sort of takeout mm-hmm. uh, yep. style of right. product purchasing. So it's like you can drive up and go. It's like, oh, I call ahead of time and I say I want these nine things. You know, I, I need my new miniatures, my new supplies, the new Titan Masters attack packs. I mean, I'm getting a full booster box. Um, <laughs> and and some, you know, the new D&D books. And they walk, the, you know, the store owner or employee walks out to the, the curbside and just hands it to you and takes the cash. And you know, that level of adaptation is... Is I think what's what's keeping the the local game industry, the you know going, um, and Wizards is is sort of the company wide is 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 trying to pitch in with that. Uh, the Magic team is pushing out some uh, some products to to help people, and then when when it's ready, when when local authorities, health authorities say it's it's okay to go back to stores, uh, small business can open up again. You know, there's some recently announced things that we're doing to uh, to help reward customers for going back into their local store and making a purchase at the local game store. So I think the industry will get through it, but it's really difficult to predict what this looks like, mm-hmm. you know, e- even a month from now, let alone four or five or six months from now. That's sure. Definitely for sure. So there were a couple different details there that kind of segued into follow-up questions for Scott. I'll ask you how you want to proceed. Do you want to move into the convention piece or talk about some of the uh, in-store incentive stuff? Uh, we can do the conventions first if you want. Yeah. So the this is the, the elephant in the room that uh, I alluded to earlier. We just recently got hit with the news about Gen Con is not happening this year. Obviously, Origins had previously already stated that they were postponing everything and we'll see to your point drew 
it's tough to predict. We'll we'll find out when we get there. So to that end, from the Transformers perspective, how does the loss of Gen Con for 2020 influence things, whether it's from an organized play perspective, it's from a outreach perspective, from getting to actually sit and talk with people or introduce people to the game. Where does this sit? Were you expecting it or any thoughts on that matter? I, it, it hurts on a lot of levels, right? Mm-hmm. It hurts. It hurts. You know, let me just run down the things you've said because you hit a, you hit a bunch of them. Right. Um, we, the Transformers team, values so highly going to events and talking with the players because it's one of our primary ways of getting feedback. I mean, there's there's online and watching other people writing and talking and making videos about it, but the, that direct personal contact has always been really important to us, right. hence why you've seen us at, at all the shows. Um, and so missing that is difficult. But then I, I would say that you know, even deeper, the uncertainty about large gatherings through the rest of the year is, and you mentioned a couple of them, the 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 summer events, but I, I, we don't know what the the even you know fall or end of year is going to look like. Right. Um, so it's been extraordinarily difficult to plan for those events. So uh, we're we're not looking at an Energon open season this year. Okay. Is, is when you say, and I apologize if I'm cutting you off. Um, is there any potential, because this was something I, I had in my mind that I definitely wanted to talk to you about, if if the season as we saw it last year and the events, so whether it's the Invitational, obviously the Gen Con and Origin, other destination events that we've talked about so many times before, obviously, as you said, it's tough to plan, but is there any opportunity that there might be a Transformers-focused event if these don't go off, but then it's okay later on? If that makes I, sense, I, I know I'm being very vague. I, and, and I think my response has to be very vague, mm. vague in the fact that we need to play the national and state-by-state situation by year mm. and see how the, the the world health situation evolves before we can even really start talking about what those contingency plans are. Because I, I could tell you, hey, here's contingency plans, mm. and then the world could change, and then I, we've just disappointed a whole bunch of people. I and I think, it's a, and I, think it's a, yeah, I think it's a clearer message right now to say that my expectation is that there will be no open-style events in uh, 2020 is the best way that I can manage the expectations of our players, particularly our competitive players, mm. um, uh, in, in in a way that doesn't over over promise and something that I can't I can't even know if I'll be able to do. Right, and I I can personally appreciate that as as a competitive player, but also just personally that you're right. If you were to have told us a minute ago, oh yeah, we're we're planning on doing this unless something happens, even with a caveat, when if something does happen or the world shifts it would be a, a pretty big disappointment. So I can at least say that I appreciate the honesty and upfrontness that you're, you're letting us know ahead of time. Right. And I, and it, this should be clear, but I should have said it at the very beginning. Our priorities are the health and safety of our players, of course, the store owners, the people who, who organize events for us. Um, you know, our, our, 
the judges and, and tournament organizers, local retailers, and, and us. And Absolutely. Though that consideration really is overriding uh, when it comes to evaluating how we plan for a situation for the, the health situation we exist in. And that it, I completely get it. it. I don't. I don't think there's any reason to believe that you guys would change. Like that's exactly what I'd expect to hear from you guys. Pretty yep. lack of a better way to yep. put it. Uh, and it's definitely the appropriate path. We've said it on multiple shows before, Scott and I, when as the unfortunate news about these various conventions and other events came out that, yeah, it hurts, but there are more important things sometimes. There are. Keeping keeping each of us healthy and our families healthy and, and safe. Um, Absolutely. It takes precedence. So, but we are... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I think you're going to segue into the thing I was just going to say, so I'll, I'll go ask the question. Well, I was about to shift a little bit as to we'll call it alternative options to play. Is that where you were going to go with it? I wasn't, but let's, let's hit those. Okay. So um, one of the ones that I had, have, we've talked about it before, like way back when, I think the very first time we shook hands at, at PAX Unplugged uh-huh. a couple years ago. Uh, and is there any opportunity or has the team talked about any potential for official online play or anything along those lines to try and bridge this gap until we can all get back together again so there's 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 nothing official that we could do that we could get out in time to, right. to, to satisfy people so we don't want to do any sort of half-baked effort makes sense mm-hmm. um uh you know I, I i do wish that there was a digital version of the transformers tcg um and i wish that had been true year you know two years ago but that's not the world i live in fortunately that's, that means that it's not the world that we all live in now. Right. Um, but I have been watching players play Transformers trading card game, Magic, other other board games, tabletop games, in lots of interesting and inventive ways. Um, and, uh, you know, playing tabletop games during a world of social distancing, players have showed enormous ingenuity playing on Discord, rigging up, you know, rigging up ways to transmit the battlefield to someone remote. Um, and it's really impressive to see people's passion for Transformers and, and Magic and other games um, coming through so that they can still play games with the people that they care about and care about playing with. Absolutely. Are you yeah. go-, go ahead, Scott. Are you guys, are you guys quote, cool with that? I, I, don't, I don't know how, like, how to ask I mean, it, I guess. <laughs> people, play, people playing over, over video? Yeah webcam, yeah. yeah, webcam. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Go okay. for it. Okay. That is awesome. That is a great way to stay connected with with people, and now more than ever, being able to play a game you care about with with your friends, who you can't see face to face, absolutely go and do it. Okay. Right. Yeah. To our earlier jokes, both offline and on, sometimes staring at the four walls, it's good to be able to do something like that to talk to your buddy that's going through the same thing that may a few states over or something yep. along those lines yep and outside of work like i'm, I'm doing it too right like outside outside of work stuff um i've rediscovered my love of dungeons and dragons and i'm now playing in in one campaign and just about to host my own awesome. all over <laughs> all over zoom right um and that's not something that that had happened before so i'm silver lining maybe 
got to find the silver linings where you can, that it's, uh, yep. it's giving you a new opportunity. <laughs> like yeah. to look at it that way. <laughs> and it's a way for me to stay connected with my brother. Who's one of the, the, the other players in, in the campaign. Awesome. Um, in at a time when there's there's no way for me to go see him. Perfect. It's Scott, I know you had initially had some similar questions about online play uh in general. Was there anything you wanted to follow up there or did you want to shift gears to something different? No, I think that I think I guess from a different perspective, I guess the the follow up question there was more about like how you feel how you guys see this this potential this lack of open play and all that affecting the current release and whether the current release schedule from there on end will also be affected. Um, I can tell you how, it, how it, I think it'll affect the current release. I think mm-hmm. players have demonstrated uh, that they're really hungry for the Titan Masters attack cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that this will have, I don't think this will have a, a change how Titan Masters attack does compared to what the world would look like otherwise okay uh, i think i think is a there's a more there's an interesting question on and sorry and and that's because local game stores have found effective ways to get product in people's hands. sure sure, right? like, sure. Yeah, yeah. props to props to all the local game stores that are that are, are 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 hustling it in order to keep their small businesses viable and going in trying times and that's why we're able to get headmasters into people's hands and so props to them and I'm always appreciative of, of of those stores. In terms of metagame development, I think that's a super interesting question. And honestly, I'm kind of curious about what it'll look like. Because um, one of the things that 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 is interesting about TCGs is watching how fast a metagame gets. Solved is not the right word because it implies that there is a definitive end state. And usually that's not true. Right. But I would say settles into an equilibrium state that people perceive as solved or partially solved. Gotcha. Um, right. And here's an example: people people went into um, the Enerdon Invitational largely believing that there were a bunch of decks that that people that were the the, the top tier decks, and yet a few people made you know posted really solid results with out of left field decks. Um, mm-hmm. Like that is. What, what a lot of people think is a solved environment, and then there's there's outliers. I think we'll see more outliers when we return to regular play. Like I think I think there will be more people bringing more out of left field decks because they haven't had quite the number of reps in on games right. in order to solve locally what the equilibrium state is. And I think that's super interesting. And what does that do? later on but overall i think it's probably healthy and here's why i say that people like expressing like one of the reasons why people like trading card games is because you get to express your personal creativity into into the game via deck construction Mm -hmm. and so i think when people get to play more viable decks and don't have posted results to say nope never try that thing (laughs) right that's just it right out of the get-go. Mm-hmm. I, pe- I, I think people uh, are going to be able to say, oh, you know, I really want to see what this thing, this tidal wave deck looks like, and gosh darned, there's nothing telling me no. <laughs> yep. So I'm going to bring it when I finally get to play. 
And I think that's going to be exciting. And you know, some of those decks aren't going to do poorly, and some of them are going to do well, and we're going to have a bunch of unexpected results for a lot of people. And I think that's exciting. So ultimately, I think it will be good. Uh, but this is an un this is an experiment that that is a little bit unprecedented. So I am eyeing it closely. Interesting. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you, and it's depending on the timing compared to wave six, let's say, and when we, that these theoretical hypothetical events happen in some time in the future, how closely they end up coming. We were talking a bit offline that it's exactly your point, Drew, that people aren't going to have the reps, so it's it's going to be all brand new, and how does that break from the traditional old set to new set where it's you know these decks were what we thought was good well nobody really knows and now there's a lot of other unknowns thrown in the mix as well so it'll, it'll definitely be the wild west for a little bit <laughs> yeah and and i think more players enjoy wild west than mm. don't although i would say the most competitive players probably are of two minds there's there's i think there's there's going to be the most competitive players who um, look at the, themselves, and I'm not, this is not judgment, this is just how people mm -hmm. look at themselves, right. as great adaptive technical players, and who can go against a deck that they've, that, oh man, I've never seen that before, but I'm going to play correctly, play my deck correctly, and adapt to the situation from this weird deck, and use that skill set to power through, and I think there's going to they're going to be happy, and then there's going to be there are players who like understanding a metagame and practicing a lot against the tops like four or five decks that they are most likely to be uh, uh, seeing and are most competitive against their decks, and be able to say, "I know every possible situation in this matchup, and I know what to do at each point." And I think those players are going to be a little bit on it, but it. The, you can't always hit all points, and the, it's going to be shifting, obviously, after that. So it'll come back around for players like that and like me. But <laughs> yep, yep, it, it, and it, that's right. It will eventually resettle into a new equilibrium state. Exactly. That is that is inevitable. It's just the timeline that it takes for it to get there. Yep. Uh, so Scott, I know you had some burning questions. Also, speaking of things that are potentially popular from or hypothetically going to be popular from wave five do you want to move into perceptor yeah sure go ahead you can well ask. i was going to hand it to you because i know you had a lot of questions on that front yeah so i i guess it came as kind of a shock um i guess we didn't realize the the implications of the the perceptors being in the the organized play kit so there's only 12 of them that were sent out to the wpn stores and i was just curious like i mean i know some of the volumes that people have ordered with it being um, thought to be a, a buy box promo that there, there probably just aren't enough of them out there. Um, and if you could just talk about that at all and, and what the, what the rationale or policy is or, or what, if there's a, you know, if there's a way to what the situation is in general. Yeah. Sure. So we generally take a look at like the average number of boxes sold and pick a number of buy box promos that, that correlates with that, that rewards people who make the purchase earlier when the product comes out. Mm -hmm. But we've gotten quite a number of requests uh, right now um, for Titan Masters Attack from retailers who have um, sold more Titan Masters Attacks boxes 
and then they have Firebox promos for it. So we're making a one-time change. We actually just made this decision this morning um, to uh, provide more Perceptor and Convex pack, packs of Firebox promo packs to uh, retailers who need them. So starting next week, after Memorial Day weekends, a store that needs more Biobox promos uh, can contact their WPN rep, not customer service, contact your WPN rep, and explain the situation, and we will send out more Perceptor uh, Convex Biobox packs. Awesome. So I don't yep. know how, how... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Drew. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you know, we want to make sure that we, this is part of our trying to support stores. And so there's something else that we did that um, I want to make sure this isn't really directed at fans, this part. Like the buy a box change, it's really directed at local store owners. But we also made a change a, a week or so ago that the promos for Titan Masters Attack don't have to be given out as part of a play experience. So stores can use the, the Tidal Wave uh, promos, the, pro, and the Arcana promo, to um, however they see fit to enhance their ability to uh, sell Transformers. So they're, they're still not sellable. Like you can't just open mm -hmm. them up and yeah. sell them. Right. But if that means that they're an additional buy, you know, buy a box incentive, um, if they're a reward for just coming down and you know picking up a curbside pickup, wh whatever works for the store, that's that is okay for this release. Makes sense given the situation. Yep, <laughs> definitely Max appreciate that. Maximum flexibility. Yep. Are there so many limits that you're going to put on the additional sendouts? I might just be asking for personal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a lot of cases, Scott? I, I, I bought a lot of cases. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> Um, so to be really frank, that's going to be basically up to the store rep and okay. in that discussion with the store. So if a store comes and says, Hey, you know, I, I got, I got N promos already and I need another six and the rep's like, okay, that makes sense. If the store's like, I need another 35, this, the rep's probably going to say, can you tell me why? <laughs> <laughs> probably a <laughs> and, reasonable question. Right, like if this is just part of the, the regular relationship between a store owner or manager and their WPN rep. So there's nothing weird going on here. It's just have the conversation, and if we have supplies to fulfill that request, we will give out the buy a box promos while supplies last. Okay, that's great. So is that the limitation for this? Is there an end date on how quickly these stores need to put that in? What I was going to joke about earlier when I mistakenly cut you off was uh, I don't know how many of our listeners and viewers are store owners, but you may want to contact your store, your LGS and say, Hey, this is an option now. Um, is there an end date for that for the, you said after Memorial day to start, but how long do they have? Uh, they have until our supplies last, which are not okay. infinite, right. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have infinite promos right. sitting in the warehouse. <laughs> right. Uh, this is, this is not like a warehouse 14 situation where it goes and ends on <laughs> gotcha. forever. Gotcha. Um, but, and the reason why it's next week is so that we can propagate this information out to the teams and the WPN rep so that they understand and don't get blindsided by weird questions. That's the only reason it's a holiday weekend. Some people have taken vacation as right. I expect. 
course. So we're just going to start those, that on Tuesday of next week. Makes sense. That's great news. Um, was there anything you wanted to, to follow up with there, Scott? No, that's the perfect answer I was looking for. So Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I, I, I realized earlier, uh, Drew, you had said that you were, or you were guessing at where I was going before we led into potential for online play. Uh, it was Perceptor. Up, what was that? It was Perceptor. Okay. I had a feeling that was the other option, but just double checking since we ended up moving a few few bars down the line. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, um, or I guess it isn't really shifting gears, but focusing more on actually the set of Titan Masters attack. Uh, when we spoke with Matt, it's he had indicated that there was a a larger push to make, and I, I wanted I don't want to phrase this the wrong way, but push black pips on cards into a higher tier. And in my mind, I'm tiering it as you know orange blue, and then push the black pips up to be on par with white and green supplementary. Following our conversation with him, from a design perspective, do you has anything changed? as far as how the a quote-unquote black pip deck would sit within a meta or within the spheres. Because mentally, for me at least, I kind of put that in the same category as combo only from what its predators and prey are. Is that the hey, same way you guys are seeing it? or To a certain degree. And I, I think that there's a little... I think part of what's informing our view here is a little bit of an understanding that black, black pip decks can't exist successfully in a vacuum mm -hmm. whereas you can take a combo de style deck you can take an orange pip focus deck or a blue pip focus deck to uh, an environment that you don't really know and those decks can really do well by themselves right right like they each have potential to have roots to win i do more damage than my opponent i prevent more damage that my opponent can come in or i sidestep that game and combo out in some way Right. Whereas a black pip deck really needs to be reacting to an overly defensive environment. Makes sense. And so because it has that sort of reactive only status, there are some underpowered black cards out there. And and we in retrospect probably should have given black pip cards a little bit of a boost. Um and so that philosophy evolves a little bit in Titan Masters Attack, and we're going to look and see how that environment works and, you know, iteratively up, update our thinking. Gotcha. Yeah, it's definitely from our own theorizing and messing around with things before we officially have the cards in hand, it definitely appears to be modifying what we were expecting to some extent. So I'm anxious to see as this plays out to our earlier discussions where we're going to sit a few months from now. Yes, uh, I am. I am really curious as well, um, and I'm. I'm. I'm really curious as to are there any specific cards that you thought really came to mind when you were evaluating Type Master's Attack in regard to Black Pips? You're like, huh, that's a little weird. I'm surprised about. I don't know that I would say there's a lot that struck me as it, weird. Is the word I'm getting cut, caught up on, and it's not. They just seemed the first one that came to mind was Kamian Crash or Black Pips cards, like but are ta tagged onto other pips such as Magnetic Dysfunction Ray or 
to a lesser extent, precision fire. And Scott, feel free to jump in with any others if I'm missing. No, any. no. Uh, those, are the, those are the first ones that came to mind where it was. Yep. It, it, to your point, Drew, you, there was a somewhat of a precedent set way back when we first saw Black Pips. And obviously they've they've improved over time. And now it's just, man, that that card, the text on the card is just good enough on its own. Like I, I the pip is counter, nice and all, but <laughs> counter espionage is the one that does it for me, right? Like, yes. Counter, counter espionage has a very specific, it's a very specific sideboard card that does, um, that has a really strong place in sideboards where you think that secret actions are going to be a very, yep. uh, a prominent part of the game. And it would have been playable in that sideboard without the black pip. The black right. pip adds an extra dimension to the card. So, you're not really paying a. We don't use these terms internally, but like you're not paying a design cost penalty for getting mm-hmm. the black pip, pip there. Whereas in some older card, black pip cards, you're very clearly paying a, a yeah. design cost penalty. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Crystal Power is another one. Yeah, that that one has been. Well, I love Sound Blaster, and I've been trying to make him work. So obviously, he was making some appearances there, but. <laughs> It's definitely a very unique example. Uh, and to be honest, we had brought this up with Matt when we spoke with him. There's the Scott and I were theorizing all through spoiler season. Oh, well, that mean because we saw this card, that probably means we're going to get this card. Or because this thing showed up, that probably means Y is going to happen. And let's just say not all of those panned out. Most of them didn't pan out. Uh, Crystal Power was one of the cards that, at least in my head, was signifying, oh, well, we'll get overlap of armor utility or utility weapon etc in this set no we didn't want to overdo it right um this is we're we're gonna we're gonna roll that out crystal of power and use that to test the waters then maybe touch to dip the toe in the water again because it's it's a pretty big penalty to pay oh yeah uh to use up multiple slots and i think it's a penalty in flexibility Mm -hmm. is the primary way i'm looking at it you now get to do one thing, whereas previously you could customize your character to do two separate things, you know, two, right. in two ways. And you know, in some ways, just raw power is not fun, right? And right, like just like oh, this this character is overstated and gigantic. Well, I guess <laughs> I'm forced to play it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and that doesn't really hit the things that make TCGs most satisfying. I think they just. They just let you win, and all right, it's a foregone conclusion. I have this, and you don't. Right. So, um, so I we don't want to go into the direction of taking up multiple slots, overcompensating on the power of the card, and finding out that nothing nothing is fun or works. Makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely something that has to be handled delicately as going forward. It was just since we were on the subject because there were a number of other examples like the the various tribal cards, um, the quote unquote showing off for for bodies and and uh, a number of other options, but they kind of fall into exactly what you were explaining, where it's not necessarily for the crystal power thing, but just that there's room to, there's always the opportunity going forward. Yep. Um, what do you guys think of the, uh, I mean, I know what you think because I've listened to your videos, but <laughs> um, uh, well, I appreciate that. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask this more differently. Yeah. Regarding the um, mind blank 
I just got counter espionaged. Um, <laughs> re regarding the trait pips, yes. Um, do you want to see more of them? Do you want to see less of them? Are you playing wait and see? I have definitely have some thoughts on this, Scott, but I've been talking a lot. Let me kick it to you first. Um, I would like to see more of them. Um, I would like to see them to where I think the I think the dual pip aspect of them, like on something like on concealing contrails, yep, or um, what's the what's the untap one? The uh, the like car boosters? one? Yeah, yeah. I think I think those are the those are the best ways to see them because there's really it's only an extra added benefit as opposed to like I haven't personally found use for some of the single tribal pip ones yet. Like um, yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, but I, I mean, I just haven't used them yet, but I think adding them as a second pip is, is really powerful. I think the one area to be cautious about, and I know Matt has said this also is like in the master of Metallicato example where like, there's almost no downside to play it in decks that don't care about what color you're actually getting during combat. So I mm -hmm. think as long as we don't lean too heavily into that area where it's like, okay, Metroplex just has like. 80,000 double pips so like we'll just ball play that um i think i think it's i think i think the the extra pip aspect of it on the cards really helps because i think that actually then gives that combat tribe or whatever whatever the situation is like an incentive to use it beyond its text um because it is getting a double that it wouldn't usually have access to yeah and that's the i i we agree with that uh, very much um of various people in various places, and I think Matt did too. Used it, called it like the half step, mm -hmm. and and that that to us feels like it was a very very important upgrade to the design space for battle cards. And so I think I think that the the regular pip plus trait pip is most successful, but I am not yet convinced that. Cards like Hull Down, which otherwise might not have gotten a pip at mm -hmm. all, is not also a successful implementation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just haven't found use for a lot of them yet. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. So a question on that front, Drew, The just from looking at the tribal pips, do you, as far as carrying them forward, do you bear any concern about the complexity for them? There definitely was a lot of questions when they first were... It unveiled and i'm sure as people play them it's going to become second nature but them counting as pips even when they don't to some extent so like the metroplex example getting stuff when it you know he wouldn't trade like he's not getting the combat buff but you're still flipping an orange um it, do you feel that that's a problem at all I I didn't in playtesting, and I don't, uh, but I am very happy to change my opinion when I see people having issue, issues and problems with it. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just one of those that we've definitely, you know, people have asked questions about it, and I think once someone goes through it, it like reading it may not sit, put it in your head correctly, but then once you play with it, it's like, oh yeah, that's how it works. It, it's one of those that may just the general population has to get used to it. Yeah, and I, I have particular interest in this because I really like what I call puzzle abilities, where you have to get all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. um, Metroplex is an example. Uh, Fusion Cannon. Megatron's... Um, I had a mind blank again. Overwhelming Advantage? 
overwhelming advantage. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which in my head is constantly Fusion Cannon and Megatron, <laughs> yeah. even though it's really not. Fair. Uh, um, uh, I love those kind of cards. Um, I think that they do a they do something in the, the Transformers trading card game that is not super easy to replicate in other games because they're, the other games were intrinsically designed for it. Right. And it's one of the things that we, we put into this game so that we can do that. And the tribal pips interact with that in ways that I think are okay, but may not be. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're going to be keeping a super close eye on as people are, are shuffling actual cards and right. playing them. And we'll be looking for things like how many people times do we watch people just make a mistake and not count it or overcount it? Right. Um, does it affect how people approach deck building? Makes sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's it, I think it has a lot more implications for game design than people think. Oh, but, yeah. But it's, yeah. In, it's in a gigantic amount of space. Yeah, so, it's, it's a very subtle thing, but it, it's exciting to s- just the possibilities. Yep. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no. I was I was just going to um, go on and on about uh, Tribal Pip cards, but let's, let's switch topics to something else that we haven't talked about. Sure. Uh, well, let me, like I said, I've been running my mouth a lot like I usually do. So, Scott, do you want to, did you have something else pressing you want to bring up? I mean, there's just a just a general overarching issue with again going back to like what's going on. I, I I'm not looking for like specific answers, and I, I know considering you're still working and having meetings and everything, I know that there's still a bright future. I was just wondering if you, if you can talk at all about like anything that may be delayed or anything that may be going on in the future with 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 set releases or or anything like that based on the situation at all. Because we didn't really touch on that at all. If we could. I really can't go into, mm-hmm. into those types of future details. Um, okay. That falls into the future business category. No, no problem. I think that's allowed. You've been giving us a lot yeah, anyway, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a question for you guys. Yeah, sure. Um, I saw I saw Vinny's Tidal Wave deck. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, uh, thoughts on Tidal Wave? I, that Vinny's Tidal Wave deck, I've seen a few others, but I, I, that was the Vector Sigma deck that I saw. Uh-huh. Um, how, how's that going? Well, there were two, actually. There was a blue one and an orange one, because I wanted to try both ends of the spectrum. That Tidal Wave is actually one of the ones that escaped my mind earlier when we were talking about, oh, well, obviously that means we're going to get a four-star helicopter, and obviously we're going to get another four-star whatever. And that wasn't quite the case. I so, did say we like future proofing. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you did. You did uh, allow yourself that out. Um, I love the concept of him. It's uh, when I'm thinking from a competitive level, the tap effect seems fantastic. He seems to have a very cool interaction with, say, peace through tyranny or all of the blanket self damaging cards like magnetic dysfunction ray precision mm-hmm. fire that we talked about i obviously will say i had a series of unfortunate events in the game that you may have watched so uh, i saw the one where you were running wipeout okay yes uh well he was actually in but like my team setup was basically the same for both oh oh okay yeah so the we might not release both videos as, as oh the other one didn't isn't out yet i don't okay. have never 
Yeah. So I had stayed, I didn't venture into getting Autobots because I wanted specific access to certain cards. So okay. that's why I stuck with the particular setup. I'm very anxious looking forward, Wave 6 or otherwise, see what else is in there. He's Tidal Wave himself has rotated out of what I'm working on at the moment. But okay. he's always sitting in the back of my head of like, as I'm going through cardless, I often am like, oh, well, I need to write that down because I want to come back to Tidal Wave with this sort of thing. And and that's the kind of game design that I think is really effective mm. in in small to moderate doses. Like gotcha. I, I, I think that it's good when there are cards that constantly can get refreshed when new cards are added in and are just built set up that way so it's 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 blatant. Right. I also don't I also don't want that to be something that is every single time a new for, you know something comes out it's like, all right, I gotta check to make sure it's not broken with yeah, title wave. Go through right, the, right, the right. whole back dialogue. Um, <laughs> And the other nine cards like that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I okay, cool. I'm just tick- I'm super tickled by Tidal Wave, and I'm curious to see uh, what the best deck people have gotten out of that is. I think there's a there's definitely ways to make him work. I think the the aggressive route showed more promise just by virtue of well, one of the guys has zero attack and one has one. So in order to make them do anything, it's tough to do it in blue. Uh, but that being said, my initial thought was blue because of you get some range stuff you get extra bodies you get to do all you get to tap down their best attackers so your guy lives longer there were a lot of different ways that i wanted to try him and i'm i gotta keep going through lists and keep looking at stuff cool um i know we had like a thousand other questions but i know you also have a hard stop drew so let me kick it to scott real quick and then if you needed to add anything after that drew no i'm good i didn't know if there's any questions that we had for the last few minutes for, for us. I had a lot, but they're not a big deal. Was there anything specific that you wanted to, to mention, Drew? I know we talked about the WPN stuff, but anything else you wanted to, to bring up? No, um, not not specific topics like okay. this. Uh, you know, it's uh, Titan Masters Attack will be out Friday. Yep. Uh, that is the 29th of May. Um, and. You know, just to reiterate, check your with your local game store because they might have a buy a box promo preceptor and Arcana if you didn't already get one, um, or get we get one secured. Uh, and you know, as always, right before a set, have have fun, have fun uh, trying new stuff. Absolutely, there's definitely a lot of fun stuff in this set to try. There, <laughs> that is for sure. So. And and that's actually something to just as, as I guess a final thought. Oh yeah, there are a lot of possible combinations in this set. This is right. this adds more possible deck combinations in one set than we have done before by a great margin, and we recognize that. And that's why I think it's interesting pairing that re- that truth with the less reps. Going back mm-hmm. to an earlier topic, yeah, it does provide for this really weird situation, and and we recognize that. Um, so everybody enjoy, I hope everybody enjoys trying out new stuff. Um, cause there's a lot to try out <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what floats to the top, uh, awesome. in, in your area. Yeah. Keep that in mind. People drew maybe lurking out there might see some of your games on YouTube. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Well, as always, thank you for joining us, Drew. It's been a pleasure. All right. Stay safe, everyone out there. It has been a pleasure, guys. I really appreciate you having me on the show again. And uh, uh, until the next time. Yep. Yep. Thanks.
All right, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And please tune in next time for more Tech Talk.